Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the one and only Ron White. This is the real Ron White, by the way. Um, he is the two-time U.S. memory champion and this dude will blow your mind. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Mr. Ron White on. Ron, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's always I get I feel lucky. Yeah, this is like the second time I've talked to you in five days. So <laughs> I'm a lucky human, huh? Not everybody gets this chance. It's it's awesome, man. I'm I'm grateful to have you on here. I, I you know I'm not sure that you know this or not, man, but I really look up to you. I, I think what you've accomplished is absolutely mind-blowing. It's phenomenal. And I've seen, what was that? And, and I don't want to go too far into your story without starting at the beginning, but there was a show, and I think it's on your website, a show that you were on where you, I think you memorized all these different girls and their 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 birthdays or something. I forget what, <laughs> ironically, I forget what it was exactly. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, saying that, that nice, you know, that, that you, uh, th thanks for saying what you just said about me that I appreciate that. You know, I think, and I was thinking about this last night, I was thinking, you know, why can't people give compliments to other people? Like, like find out what you like about somebody, even if you like, even if you have to like look like really hard to find something that you like about them. Why can't people give compliments to people and say, "Hey, man, I, I really admire you on this, or you're really good at this," and it just makes a lot of difference to the person who hears it. It just made a difference to me when you just said that. It like, wow, thank you so much. But I think it says something about the person who can't give the compliments. You know what I'm saying? It, so that's something I think we should all be aware of. So thank you very much. That that makes yeah. me feel good. It makes anybody feel good. And I would say that um, the show you're talking about was on a Fox TV show with uh, Mike Tyson. It was called Superhuman. Cal Penn was the host. And what I want, they called me and said, hey, do you want to be on this show? We got this idea where we're going to have 15 girls at a bar and you got to go up to each girl and they'll say their name, a 10 digit phone number, which was a Google voice That's phone right. number. So they, you know, they don't yeah. get weirdos calling them yeah. uh, and uh, a fact about themselves. So I went to 15 girls. Uh, I got 15 names, 15, 10 digit phone numbers. So 150 digit number. And then a fact about themselves. And then I went all the way through it. And then Mike Tyson was sitting over here and he was watching it. He was like, okay, Ron, the girl in the red hat. And I had this fake phone. So then I picked up the red, the fake phone. And I'm like, okay, the girl in the red hat was whatever. And I dialed the number that she told me. Yeah. And she had, if her phone rang, that means I got it right. Uh, and I got them all right. They asked me five, they picked five girls out of the pile at random and, and I got it right. And it was a lot of fun. But for the record, 
that I did not create that stunt. Okay. I didn't call the producers and say, Hey, I want to go to five, 15 girls and get their phone numbers and, and act like I'm some ladies man. You know, uh, I, that was not my idea. My idea was that I go and I memorize everybody's name in the audience. Uh, and I said, gosh, you got to let me do this. This will be a powerful demo. And they said, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't interact with the audience. Uh, it's not fair because they're going to be voting on who's the best. So you can't interact with them. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I, I do that thing. And then they give my idea to another guy on the show. Uh, and he won. Oh my <laughs> Anyways, that, that that was a longer answer than you probably would did have. did did you did you feel like fighting Mike Tyson over that? No, uh, <laughs> no, that, that's a death wish. That's suicide. <laughs> that, that is the last human on the planet I ever want punching me ever. Oh so 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 you know, I started this show. I guess it's been a little over three years ago, and and it's it really was to help people. Get unstuck, and honestly, it's probably because at the time I, I felt stuck. And so, you know, I like to start with where you were born and raised. Why don't you talk about that? Where it all started for you? Well, uh, I was born 48 years ago, uh, youngster, youngster. Yeah, I'm only I'm only 28 years old, and people really don't know how that works since I was born 48 years ago. But trust me, it's just how it is. Uh, I was born 48 years ago in North or, or Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I grew up in North Richland Hills, which is a, a little bit 15 minutes from Fort Worth. And uh, my dad was a police officer, um, uh, you know, middle class family. And, uh, you know, I had a paper route and just a, a normal, normal life growing up. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. <laughs> what, what kind of things are you wanting me to tell? Well, did did you did you face any? I mean, your dad was a police officer. I have a lot. I mean, a lot of friends in law enforcement, um, and I, you know, it's it's interesting. I've often wondered, wonder what it would be because that's a stressful job, depending on the department, I guess, but. Being a police officer is 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 a stressful job. I've often wondered what would it be like to be raised by a cop? Like, you know, was he was he always like really protective? Was I mean, what was it like for you? Yeah, you know, he was protective. You know, he 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 he's a, a good dad, and um, he he uh, you know, I probably had a, a I got a natural. Uh, healthy or maybe unhealthy skepticism of people probably because of it, you know, um, he, right. you know, he wouldn't, uh, uh, when he was in uniform, you know, he, if he, he would go to a restaurant, he would, he would only eat a buffet or, or, or food that he could see being prepared. In other words, he would not go to a restaurant and sit down in uniform because there is that feeling in society that people don't like police, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't be, I don't, I don't, I don't have what it takes for what they pay police officers to, to be able to have to make, you know, they got instant replay uh, on professional sports. They, and, and they get it right only 85% of the time and it's not life and death. 
But so my dad, yeah, we, he would not, he would only see the food being prepared because he didn't trust the people that, uh, you know, were preparing the food to not spit it in it or whatever. Yeah. There was a little bit of a healthy uh, paranoia, I guess you would say there, but overall, and I don't want to get too deep into that. Yeah. That's you probably not the direction we should go, but overall, you know, uh, I, I grew up with a love of country, you know, which, uh, which led to me joining the military and yeah. a patriotics, a patriotic duty. Uh, and I think that had, that had, had a tremendous amount to do with my dad. You know, my dad served, uh, in, uh, in the, the Vietnam era, you know, he was in the army yeah. and, uh, then he went on to be a police officer. So I started teaching memory seminars at the age of 18. I was a telemarketer, you know, I'm making cold calls every day. Hey, can we clean your chimney? Can we, I was a chimney sweep telemarketer. Can we clean your chimney? Can we clean your chimney? Can we clean your chimney? And I called this guy one day and I said, can we clean our chimney? And he said, we don't want our chimney cleaned. We're trying to sell our house. Thanks for calling. And as he hung up the phone, I said the words that changed my life. I said, sir, don't hang up the phone. If you're trying to sell your house, you need a clean chimney. He laughed. He said, you know, that's that you're a good salesman or whatever. Uh, do you want to go to work for me? I sell memory training seminars. So I started taking down his information and my sales manager was like, did you get a sale? I'm like, no, I got a new job. And, uh, <laughs> I, I went the next day. Uh, that was 1991. Wow. So I've been doing the memory for 30 years, but going back to my dad and how I was raised and all that. So that was 1991. So 2001, 10 years later, I'm, now I'm 28 years old. We all know what happened on September 11th. Yeah. 28 years old. The guy's house that I'm at right now that I'm, I'm recording this in, he's been my best friend since I was 11 years old. His name's Brian. Wow. And Brian and I were sitting around talking. It was, you know, in the, mo the months after September 11th. And he said, man, don't laugh at me, but tomorrow I'm going to join the Army. I've been secretly talking to a recruiter as a response to September 11th. So we went down the next day. We joined the military. He joined the Army. I joined the Navy because I have an IQ. And <laughs> uh, we both served for eight years. But that goes back to the example my dad said. You know, it was I felt it was my duty to, to, to do the military service. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. It's amazing that uh, my brother spent 10 years in the Navy over in uh, primarily Norfolk. But um, so, so, um, and I have a, a good friend that's a Navy SEAL that's pretty famous. I don't know if you know who Jason Redman is or not, but he, um, he had half his face blown off in Afghanistan and the dude is, he's incredible, man. He's written three books now. He's incredible. But anyway, so, um, so, so back to the, the, so you were 18 years old as a telemarketer, some dude selling memory training seminars, um, offered you a job and you took it without interviewing just, yeah, I'm in. Well, I did, you know, he was probably, so this was 1991. I have an African gray parrot in the other room and he likes to talk when I get on Zooms and or, or video chats. So. I love it. Uh, yeah, so in 19, this was 1991. And in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a guy uh, named Kevin Trudeau who had an infomercial selling a course called Mega Memory. 
Yep. And I was 18 years old. I was mesmerized by this infomercial. I mean, just mesmerized by it. Me and my friend Jason, we were like, hey, we're gonna, we need to buy this. We'll, we'll put our money together and we'll, we'll split the course or whatever. We never did it. But this was Kevin Trudeau's company. So when they called me, I knew exactly what who they were. I knew exactly what they were teaching. I had wow. thought about buying their product, you know. Yeah. Um, so I knew who they were. And really, you know, it wasn't a huge decision for them because I was commission based. You know, it wasn't like they were going to be cutting me a check if I didn't sell anything. Right. So they were like, hey, do you want a job? Do you want to come give this a try? And I'm like, yes, I want to give that a try. Wow. Uh, and, I, you know, it was 30 years ago. It's almost 30 years. You know what? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? It was. And I, it, I don't. Here's the thing. I never wrote down the day that I had this interview, but I know it was 1991. I know it was July and I know it was right after the 4th of July. So oh my it God. very well could have been the 5th. It was this week, though. It was this week, or, you know, that it's be 30 years exactly. Wow. Wow. See, it was meant to be, dude. <laughs> so, so you, so you um, got in now, did you get, did you get to experience the training? Cause you hadn't experienced it yet. It sounds like, did you get the, the training that you were selling? Yeah. So that was the thing. Um, I was really excited about the training, you know, uh, you know, you're an 18 year old kid in, in the uh, bookstores, the magic books and the memory books, are sometimes mingled together because there is some crossover there. It is almost like a magic trick, you know? So yeah. I was interested in both at that age <clears throat> and it's a really interesting thing. And I will, I'll, I'm going to leap ahead. Then I'm going to go yeah. back. Uh, in 2009, I set the record for the fastest to memorize a deck of cards. So I'm memorizing a deck of cards. I memorize it the fastest in the United States. And a couple days after that, now maybe it was the next day after that, I get a phone call and it was David Blaine, uh, the magician, his assistant. And they were like, hey, uh, we David sent a, a staff member <clears throat> to the USA Memory Championship to kind of scope it out and watch it. And they saw you set the record. And David, we know you're in New York. David wants to know, he's in New York. He wants to know if you, if I can give you his cell phone. Can, can he get your cell phone number? <laughs> and I said, you can give David Blaine my social security number. Yes. I want to talk to him. Yes. And um, so I call up David Blaine and he's like, hey, man, I want to learn how to memorize cards. And I'm like, awesome, dude. So. Oh, my God. It was either the next day or later that day. I don't remember. But I went to his office in New York and I'm sitting there on the couch every, and then and talking to his brother and his assistant. And behind me, the door opens and somebody walks in and, and his brother and assistant get quiet in this awe. Even his brother was in awe of, his, of David Blaine. Wow. David Blaine walks in. He looks over at me. He goes, you Ron? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. So he starts walking towards the wall. We get towards the wall and he grabs a piece of the wall. He peels it off. It's a poster. And he, we, he steps into the wall and he's like, come on. Like we're going to some secret hideout. And I get, we get in the wall, this hidden room. And uh, he has, he has deck, decks of cards stacked to the ceiling. What? And, yeah. And I'm teaching him how to memorize a deck of cards. Nobody I have ever taught has gotten it quicker. He looked at it. And then he repeated what I said, and he said, that's it? And I'm like, 
well, yeah, but this normally takes like an hour. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> He's just so smart. And, uh, uh, but also he was familiar with the concepts because there is some overlap there in magic tricks and memory tricks. Um, and I hate to use the word trick for what I do because it's a system, but he had been exposed to it. So I, I say that story to, I go back now, I'm 18 years old. I'm just a guy who wants to learn, to learn, learn this stuff. And I did, they had uh, two day memory workshops every three months in Dallas, Fort Worth area. So here I am, this 18 year old kid, I'm going to every single memory workshop in Dallas every three months. Nobody in the, else in the company would attend one. And I would be showing up and the instructor would be like, Ron, you're a telemarketer. I, no, no telemarketers attend every memory workshop. Don't you know this already? And then he made a comment I'll never forget. He said, what do you think? You're gonna be a, a speaker one day? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Uh, and wow. he's, he's no longer in the memory business, but but uh, I am. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. My my daughter's on here watching. <laughs> oh, Kenna. Yeah, Kenna. So so um, so you. That's where your journey began. And how how long? And and I don't know if you really recall or not. And that, that's that feels weird asking you if you forget something. Um, but what's that? All the time. I know because, and I, 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 I want you to get into that in a minute, but because I understand why now. I didn't understand why until you, you, you taught in my my mastermind the other day. Um, because honestly, we can just go there. But I thought you were just some freak of nature. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dude, you got some freaky weird ability to remember everything. And like, um, and, and that's not the case actually. And, and I, 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 we'll get into that in a minute, but, but so, so how long did it take you to, um, to really start getting into the, the groove? I mean, you were, you said you were around 18 years old when this, this all started, right? Yeah, um, I was 18 uh, when I started as a telemarketer. And then, you know, I did want to be a speaker. So at about age 19 or so, you know, I was a telemarketer. All the other speakers were at least 30 years old. So, I mean, the last thing they had on, on their mind is making an 18-year-old kid who looked 12 years old uh, a speaker. You know, that's not like, oh, hey, we got a great business idea. Let's make this telemarketer a speaker. <laughs> but I wanted to do that. So I joined a Toastmasters club that met probably 15 minutes from the office where I did the telemarketing. And I asked my telemarketing manager if he would go with me to the Toastmasters meeting and the whole, my whole, you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say I was playing 3d chess and I was a, a genius strategy maker back then or whatever, but I did want him to see me give a speech. I did want to plant the seed and he did. He saw me give the speech and I remember driving home from the Toastmasters lunch and he looked over at me and he said, Rod, he said, you should be an evangelist. You need to get a tent and you need to go around the country. And I'm like, well, look, I kind of just want to be a memory speaker. You know, do you have to give that up, you know? Um, but uh, I, I, start, and I, I gave my first speech at the age of 19. So they moved me to speaking pretty rapidly. Uh, 
because I just wow. they could tell I was I was dead set on it, and uh, I was not that good for about uh, a year and a half. I, I hardly made any money. I just couldn't figure out how to sell. I, I, I could give the speech, but I couldn't figure out how to close people. Um, matter of fact, I was the worst. I was the worst salesperson in the company. Uh, uh, but then when I figured it out, it was boom, like a yeah. light switch went off. Wow. So you started doing, you started doing memory speaking. Yeah. So at the age of 19, you know, they had uh, the way that the business model worked is they had telemarketers who would set speeches for the memory speakers and then they right. would go out and sell the course. So I moved from from being a telemarketer to a speaker. So other people were booking the speeches uh, and I would go out and, and give the speeches. Um, it was a big shift for me, clearly. You know, it changed my life. Uh, it's yeah. all I've done the last 30 years with the exception of my military service. Um, but it's changed my life. You know, somebody um, on your group, your, your group call asked me a question last week. They said, Ron, why is memory important to you? And that's really Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. She has deep philosophical questions. She did. I thought, you know what? Why is it important to me? And I just got to the point. It's changed my life over the last 30 years because, you know, I'm able to remember. I'm able to learn. I have a, have a desire to learn. So it was a great match for me. If, yeah. if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't been introduced to memory 30 years ago, I, my life would not look anything similar to what it is now. Uh, I don't know what I would do. I might have been an entrepreneur because I liked business and I have that mindset, but I don't know what business I would have started. Yeah. I, it's almost like you were, it was, it's almost like you were destined. <clears throat> I mean, you were destined to be in this industry and you're, you're damn good at it. <laughs> I mean, you're really, really good at it. So, you know, I think that, and by the way, we need to give our buddy Kyle Wilson a huge shout out because we wouldn't know each other if it weren't for Kyle. So thank you, Kyle, for introducing us, whatever it's been a year, year and a half, two years ago. Um, very grateful for that. So thank you, Kyle. Um, and I know you've done a lot with Kyle. Yeah. So Kyle Wilson, the uh, the president, CEO and founder of Jim Rohn International. Yeah. Um, you know, in the uh, 90s, Jim Rohn didn't have an exclusive with with anybody. Uh, Jim Rohn would go around and he a promoter would hire him over here. 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 And, and Kyle Wilson was one of those promoters. The problem with promoters sometimes is they didn't always, you know, pay their bills or or whatever, and it just, and it just led to chaos. And 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 Kyle presented Jim, and I may be getting this story a little bit, you know, off, but it's ninety eight percent accurate. Kyle and Jim had a talk. Who presented it? I don't know. And and they agreed that Kyle and Jim would be exclusive to each other and form a company, yeah. Jim Rohn International. Yeah. And that changed Jim Rohn's life. Uh, it changed Kyle Wilson's life and it changed my life. Um, in 2003, I, so I'd been teaching memory seminars for 15 years now. And by that point, uh, the wealth I had accumulated was equal to a $40,000 IRS debt. And that was it. <laughs> okay. That was, that was negative $40,000 for the IRS. And it was, he's had the wealth I created. 
<laughs> yeah, the wealth I created. It was a uh, uh, $40,000 debt. But it was a serious debt because yeah. I told you I joined the military in 2001. So I actually had a top secret clearance. I, I, uh, I was put in naval intelligence and uh, the Navy came to me one day and they're like, hey, Ron, uh, you have a $40,000 IRS debt. Uh, your credit's shaky at best. Uh, we are going to have to revoke your security clearance. And that wow. would mean a discharge from the Navy, most likely. They might try to push me to some other job or whatever, but I, I don't remember which of the scenarios it was. But I was about to lose my clearance and I was about to lose na Naval Intelligence. And um, uh, Kyle, uh, as fate would have it, my cell phone rang and it said Kyle Wilson. And I was at a sports bar with my friend Brian, whose house I'm at right now. And I'm like, dude, I got to take this call. And I go outside and I'm like, hey, this is Ron. He's like, Kyle. He's like, this is Kyle. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to Shreveport this weekend to play a little bit of blackjack. And I was just thinking of people in the DFW area that I that I want to get to know better. Uh, do you want to go right out there with me and, and play a little blackjack? And on the whole, I'm like, yeah, then I'll go. The whole way there, I'm thinking, I don't got any money. So we're driving to Shreveport. And when we get to the casino, uh, Kyle's like, hey, man, sometimes I kind of like to just go and, and do my own thing and, and gamble. And I'm like, perfect, perfect, because <laughs> I didn't have any money. So I go to the bar and I drink an iced tea for a couple hours. Kyle texts me. Hey, like he's like, you want to meet up? We meet up and we're driving back. So he's like, what'd you win? And I'm like, well. I'm leaving with what I came with. <laughs> oh, dude, you can never be you can never be unhappy with that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so then, oh uh, my god, yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny, man. Holy crap. Yes, and, and, and during that time, you know, Kyle said, uh, "You you owe." I, I told him I owed forty thousand dollars IRS debt. I was getting ready to get kicked out of the Navy. We, we go to his office. We sit down at his desk. He's like, okay, Ron, give me an exact number. And I'm like, well, okay, I think I can get, you know, a three, four thousand from this business meeting. So he goes, he said, you need thirty six thousand. Said yes. So he said, one second. He goes in. I hear him talking. He says, Hillary, write a, a check to Ron White for thirty six thousand dollars. She writes the check. He walks back in the office. He hands me the check. He said, this is an advance on future sales of your memory course. I want to represent you exclusively. And I said, deal. Oh, and my God. That was the life-changing moment for me. A life-changing moment for me. Holy crap. Wow. Kyle yeah. is a great, 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 great guy. Wow. <clears throat> so, so you... Um, so Kyle instantly became your best friend ever. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, sorry, Brian, you're out. Right. <laughs> so, so, um, so you started the, the memory course selling. I, I mean, I, had you even, so you had created a memory course at that point. Yeah. You know, that was one of the, that was one of the biggest, uh, when I got started in the memory business, you know, in 1991, I contacted a guy named Billy Burden in, in 1995 or around there. I've been doing it three or four years. And I just, I, I had left the company that hired me because, you know, they were not the best 
people in the world to work for. Uh, yeah. To put it in perspective, the CEO was in prison for credit card fraud, and that just trickled wow. down to everybody in the company. It was it was a it was not a good company, um, and so I left and started my own company. But let's think about this for a second. I started when I was 18 years old. The job I had before this was a paper route. I had no business experience, nothing. And I was lost. And I found this memory expert who was very well known at the time, Billy Burden, uh, in memory circles, he was well known. And I had a phone call with him. And I just asked, I said, can I give, can I ask you for some advice? If, if I'm, I'm now 20 years old, starting out, what's the one thing that you could tell me that was gonna make a difference for me in my career? In memory. He said, Ron, create an audio program. Now, back then, there, there was only audio programs. There was yeah. no uh, membership courses or anything like that. Yeah. He, and his logic was, he says, when you give a speech, people are going to like it and they're going to want to take part of you home with them. They're going to have something in their hands that they can. So it was the greatest piece of advice for me because I uh, started just typing a course. Tony Robbins had a, had a program in the nineties. It was like 30 days to mastery or something like that. Yeah. And that clicked in my brain, 30 days. I'm like, I'm going to make a 30 day memory course. And then I'll call it memory in a month, memory in a month. And, um, I wrote down 30 lessons. I typed them up, went into the recording studio, took a $5,000 loan from a friend of mine, a business loan. And, um, recorded the product and that is the that product is what made me valuable to Kyle because wow. I was able to say here's a course you can sell to your email list without that without that product I, my relationship with Kyle would have never been forged so yeah that was wow. that was a turning point for me that's incredible man so did you sell some courses or did Kyle sell some courses or both yeah. of them I, I, I sold enough to pay the interest payments on my debt, but very, very little, you know. Uh, and then in 2003, a guy named Chris Widener, I think you probably know who he is. Yeah. Chris, uh, Chris and I had met through Zig Ziglar, and Chris uh, called me and said, hey, do you know the Jim Rohn International is literally 15 minutes from where you live? I'm like, yeah, I know that. They're like, do, do you think, why don't you take your memory in a month over to Kyle and give him a copy of it? I'm like, dude, he has no interest in me. You know, he's he's got, a, oh, speakers are trying to go at him all day. I'm not going to go. It's, it's, it's a waste of time. He's right. like, he said, I'm a friend of Kyle's. He said, you go over there right now. I'll tell him you're going. So I stuck my foot in the door, opened up the door to Jim Rohn International, and I had the memory in a month, and I his assistant, Crystal, I'm like, hey, can you give this to Kyle? I mean, I'm still not even all the way in the door because I'm so scared of going in. <laughs> and they're like, uh, he's like, he's here. Do you want to talk to him? I'm like, nope, I don't need to talk to him. Give it to him. And, you know, that's what he likes. Like, a week later, he called me and ordered 2,000 of them. Oh, I my God. It, so, yeah, it was crazy. That's so incredible, man. That's so incredible. It's funny that you were intimidated by Kyle. It's so uh, because he's such a laid back and nice dude. I mean, he just is, you know, he's busy. He's very busy, though. Like when I call Kyle, like it, he's always on the move, you know, doing something. So, yeah. Yeah. And I had no knowledge of who Kyle was as a person. I just knew his accomplishments. And yeah. so. That's what I was intimidated by. But yeah, then I got to know him and I'm like, God, oh, this is the world's nicest guy. So you knew Zig? 
I I know Tom. Um, I I I I sold a course. They had a, a program. I can't remember what they called it now, but uh, it was it was a monthly fee. You paid nineteen dollars. You got access to all of Zig's material, and I was one of their top salespeople for that course. Got it. So yeah. They I met Chris that way because he was selling it too. Yeah, Tom and Julie and Cindy. They're three amazing. Uh, Julie's a client of mine. Actually, we built her website. Oh wow! Very nice. Yes. Yeah, I love I love the Ziegler family. So so um, so that's kind of where it all started. So so talk about as as you as you started doing this. I mean, you obviously you started making some money after you formed these these relationships. I would I would imagine. Um, and and so talk about the the process of of because I I think that there's a a mental ceiling that everybody has. I don't know if you've ever read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, um, but he talks about the financial blueprint. And I, you know, I think that we have these these ceilings financially that we all, you know, like. And, and once you start breaking through the ceiling, it's like having your foot in the door at Kyle Wilson's office and being. You know, you start breaking through that ceiling and it feels really uncomfortable at first. Yes. Uh, yeah, it is. You know, it's the, the um, you know, uh, analogy of, of I used to tell it the analogy in my memory seminars where uh, a uh, true story of Houdini, they, they, had, they had locked him in a straitjacket and locked him in a cell. He got the straight jacket off, but he couldn't pick the lock on the door. And so he just kept going and going and going and he couldn't get it picked. And he gave up. And when he gave up, he leaned against the door and it flew open. Uh, <laughs> the, the locksmith had locked the lock, but they hadn't fully closed the door. Oh Yet Harry Houdini, the greatest escape artist of all time, was securely locked in that cage because in his mind, the door was locked, the cage was locked. And that's a, a story that I haven't really told in 20 years in my memory seminar, but your question just brought it out to my memory. So I'm gonna start talking yeah. about that again, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, it is, you know, so I, uh, you know, I memorized the United States Constitution, 4,543 words. And I wrote, I've written, I wrote it out on, on Fox and Friends morning show. Uh, I memorized everybody who died in the war in Afghanistan. And I'm not trying to boast here, I'm trying to get to a point. Yeah. Uh, I memorized it. That's 7,000 words. It's like the Vietnam walls. If it's the Afghanistan wall, and I write it out from memory. And when I, when I am in the process of memory and I'm just, okay, I just need to memorize the next line in the constitution. And I just take it one at a time. I need to memorize the next person's name, the next line of the constitution, the next person's name. When I'm in that moment, I don't get overwhelmed or think, ah, oh, this is too much. But when I take a step back and I hold the Constitution in my hand or I hold everybody who died in the war in my hand, I'm like, there's no way in the world somebody could remember this. <laughs> I'm the one doing it and I know how it's done. So even in me, sometimes I'm having to break through that, that ceiling there. But everybody, even me sometimes, and, and I'll tell you a real quick story on this. And I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not, go ahead. I, I, I like interviews, not monologues, and I, I feel like I'm giving too long of it. No, I love this. This is 
incredibly valuable. So here's another a story on this, and maybe this will be a real good story on on what you're, the question you're asking. And um, and Robert Kiyosaki, I became friends with him, and he, uh, uh, I read Patrick Bet David's book, Your Next Five Moves, and I memorized it recently. I'm jumping around stories here, but yeah. in, in Patrick Bet David's book, he said, uh, "Don't name drop, book drop. You know, tell people what." books to read or whatever. So I've, I'm not trying to to name drop here, but I uh, do think there's value to this story. Robert Kiyosaki had a franchise up in Canada ran by a guy named Darren Weeks. And I showed up to, and I had spoken at Robert Kiyosaki's event the couple of weeks prior, and I'd memorized everybody's name in the room, which was about 150 people. And that's my comfort zone, 150, 200 people, boom, yeah. no problem. I do it all the time. Well, I showed up at Darren Weeks' event. He had seen me at Robert's event. And he's like, Rod, I'm so excited. You're going to memorize everybody's name in the room. I'm like, Darren, no, there's 300 people here. I'm going to memorize half of the audience. He said, no, Ron, you're going to memorize everybody's name. I said, Darren, I, I don't normally do that. I've never done that. Uh, there's, there's 300 people in your audience here. I've never done that. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. You mean I'm going to be the first one? And I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot do this. And oh my God. Jared walked away. He goes, you got this. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> and uh, I did it. I memorized all 301 people's names. I remember it to this day. But I only did it because Darren made me push that glass ceiling back a little bit more. And I bet right now, as I'm talking to you right now, I bet I still have a ceiling that I'm not consciously aware of that can be pushed back. But we all do. We all have that. And it's something you got to constantly push at, for me at least. Maybe so, Elon Musk is the only guy who does and The guy's going to Mars. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's from a different... I, I, I he's from the matrix, man. He's, yeah. from, he's from a different place. Um, so, so uh, I'm curious though, like you memorized all 301 names. Do you still remember them? No, <laughs> no. I, I was wondering how that, that works. Cause I, and, and feel free to tell everybody, I mean, you, you use something called the, the mind memory palace, right? Or is it the memory mind palace? Either way, you can call it, you know, uh, it's probably been called millions of things or thousands or hundreds of things yeah. over the yeah. couple of years. So the I'll tell you the, the origins of this system. It's called the memory palace or the mind palace, most commonly. But I'll tell you the origins of this system. And then also um, uh, why I, it doesn't work long term unless you do one thing, one thing that's very important. But here's the origins of the system. Uh, 2,500 years ago, there's this guy in Greece, and his name is Simonides. Simonides is a poet. So, uh, by the way, I'll say up front, I don't know if this story is true or not, but I read it on the internet, so I'm going to assume it's true. Well, if it's on the internet, it's yeah. true. Yeah, they can't, man. They can't put something <laughs> on the internet. Like, come on, they got rules against that kind of stuff. <laughs> but... I will tell you this. I think it's pretty close to true because I read some writings by Cicero. Cicero lived 2,000 years ago, and Cicero told this story exactly the way I'm about to tell you. So if it's not a true story, it's at least been told 2,000 years this way. Uh, 2,500 years ago, a man named Simonides in Greece was a poet. He, he writes a poem for a really rich guy. He goes into a banquet. 
Uh, he delivers the poem. He leaves the banquet. And when he leaves the banquet, the roof collapses, kills everybody in the room. Uh, Simonides was the only survivor. They pulled the rocks off the people. They were crushed so bad you couldn't recognize them anymore. Simonides identified the bodies. He said Ken was sitting there, Steve was sitting there, Lisa was sitting there, Brian was sitting there, Karen was sitting there, Wendy was sitting there. He remembered them based upon where they were in the room. The light bulb goes off in his head. and He's like, wait, I just remembered a room full of people based on positions and rooms. I, what if I could remember anything based on a position in a room? So he develops the mind palace of the memory palace method where from now on, anytime he wants to memorize something, he places it in a location around a room. Mm. People can do this today by imagining stuff flying out their window or on their wall or their chair, or their microphone. And um, that's the general concept of it. And it's how I memorize anything. When I memorize a deck of cards, I'm seeing it interact with my house. Um, wow. Now, here is the next question. Why do you not remember it long term? Well, the answer is you can, because clearly when I'm writing out the Constitution, I didn't memorize it that morning. I memorized it weeks or months or maybe years in advance. The key to long-term memory is review. Review. you got to review it the day you learn it, review it the next day, review it a couple days later, review it in a week, review it in another week. So memory takes work, but yeah. it is worth it. There's there's a couple of questions um, that I I'd love love to to bring up. Does it help older adults to remain sharp in their memory? Sometimes as we get older, we pause because we're trying to remember a word. I've I've found that to be true. Yeah, you know, uh, everybody should should work to improve their memory and we should all be conscious of our good nutrition, our exercise, our spinach, our blueberries every morning, every morning. I don't care what I do. I do nothing else positive for the whole day. If the day is a wash and I accomplish nothing, I take a multivitamin, I take an omega-3 pill and I drink at least one glass of water. That should be the minimum, but you want to yeah. drink some. Those are also helpful for my brain. As we age, we should do those going for a walk, being social, talking to people is even a, an activity that we should do as we get older. They say that the you're less likely to get Alzheimer's and dementia if you have good social connections. The people who are isolated and aren't talking and engaging in conversations, they're the ones that are more susceptible to that stuff. So I will say this, memory training is not going to prevent Alzheimer's, <clears throat> but it might keep your brain active and that could delay it. You know, I uh, there. By the way, Victoria Walters is with us. <laughs> hey, I'm going to do a video. I've got some of her questions written down. I'm going to be my new YouTube video. So thank you, Victoria. She probably got some deep philosophical thought right now. She's probably she probably read Socrates and Plato over the weekend, and she's like got a list of questions. She's like, I'm going to get him today. So um, you know what's interesting though. Is I've I, since you were in our training, you did the 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 training the other night in my my mastermind. Um, I, my I've found my thought thought process. So I met somebody over the weekend. It was my mother in law's neighbor, and and my mother in law introduced her, and we were in the driveway. She, you know, said hi, and she told me her name, and I and I thought, 
I'm never going to remember that name. That's crazy. I'm not, that's a very, it's a unique name. I'm not going to remember it. <clears throat> and then I, then I thought, wait a minute. Why don't you try using Ron's deal? And, and so her name is Edna. And I thought of a head, a big head with the letter A on the forehead. H Hedna. Edna. I, and I got it. And I, I don't think I'll forget it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So, so it, it works. It works. I'm horrible with names, especially really obscure names. And, and I'm no, Edna, if you're watching, I'm not picking on your name. It's just, you don't meet very many Ednas in life. And, and so um, I, my first thought though, was I'm never going to remember that. And my second thought was, wait a minute, you just had Ron White on, like you got this, right? So just associate it with something. And I did. So Colleen brings up something that I asked you kind of about. Um, I have such a hard time with reading comprehension as it comes to books. Any tips on remembering what you just read? I have to go back and reread over and over and over. So do you have any any tips on that? Because I've I've found that, too. We kind of talked about that the other night on on the um, in the mastermind. What do you have any tips with that? Well, you know, um, I do. Uh, I think sometimes, first of all, we all we we, we all struggle with this. Even uh, I'm a memory champion. People think, oh, Ron doesn't struggle with it. I do struggle with it all the time. It's my biggest struggle. I, I just went and bought some glasses last week because I need to start reading more, and I can't because like my eyes are you know won't make sense of the words. So I love reading. So. But this is how my mindset has shifted on reading a little bit over the years. You know, I used to be how fast can I read and how fast can I learn and how fast can I get this stuff in my brain? I read a book by Isaac Watts. It was written about 300 years ago. And we talked about this last yeah. week, Mastermind. And he was real. He's a big fan of, or not anymore, <laughs> three or four years old. But um, he was a big fan of reading slow. And what he recommended that you do is you, 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 and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, adjust this a little bit for modern times because he, they didn't have this in, modern, in in his day. But it's the same concept. Read it slow. Read the back of the book. Read the table of contents. Read the chapter summaries if they're there. Why? This is going to give you an idea for what is in the book. These this is really sometimes the, the, the author's outline. Right. The back yeah. of the, book, the table yeah. of contents. Read that first. Why? It focuses your brain on what the author's trying to tell you, what you should look for when you read. If you're focused and you're looking for something specifically, I think you're going to remember it more. Then kind of speed read the book. You know, put your now this is if you're talking about a work of fiction, I, I don't I wouldn't use the same strategy. We're talking about a nonfiction educational type book. Speed read the book. And here's what you do to speed read. Just put your finger under it under the line and kind of go through each page and speed read it get or just speed read the chapter so now you've read the the back of the book the table of contents and you've speed read the chapter after you've speed read it then go back and read the chapter slower and that sounds like a lot of work you know ron isn't that slower than just reading the the book no it's that old analogy measure twice Cut once, right? You know right. Yeah. Going slower, but you're getting it right. So just slow down a little bit, and then here's what I would say: 
take notes of what you want to remember and maybe use the, the mind palace or the memory palace to memorize the notes. And if you just jumped on this call, we talked about the mind, mind palace before, so you'll have to back up and, and yeah. watch Look, look who's on, Tammy. I love Tammy. She's amazing. You know, I'll be honest with you, Ken. So I've, I've been a lot more open with this over over the years. I used to be ashamed of it because I thought it made me a weak person to admit it. Um, so it was a secret, really. But I, I struggle with anxiety a lot and, and, and panic attacks. And I, Tammy is probably one of the people who's helped me the most with that. Um, she, uh, whoa, I don't know what just happened. Ron is, I wonder if maybe his laptop battery died or something. Well, I'll remove him for a moment and, um, see if, um, see what happens he was man that that was um tammy <clears throat> right when he starts talking about how awesome you are <clears throat> so i don't know what just happened maybe um yeah he'll, he will be back i'm sure so <laughs> colleen said oh no um he's i he just opened the email and i think he's he's coming back on so um Okay, so that one he's I think he's gonna come back on. So wow, what a story so far. Good grief. <clears throat> so let's let's wait for a minute and see if Ron comes back. There he is. There he is. Here he is. Hold on. There he is. I have I have two computers, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I had the other one plugged in. I had it plugged in. <laughs> and it died. I got to figure out what is up with all of that. So uh, uh, it's all good. You, you thought I was getting ready to get all personal and private and then boom, it goes. Well, right when Tammy put in three hearts and you were gone. Yeah. Tammy really <laughs> helped me out with that a lot. Uh, you know, it's a big problem for me. It's another, I've, I've learned to manage and control it uh, now to an extent, uh, but yeah. Uh, it's why, uh, I, 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 I quit drinking because I would have these panic attacks and then I'd go drink 15 shots of scotch, uh, not knowing that it was just a panic attack. And that, and then I learned how techniques to deal with it. But, uh, Tammy is really special person to me and, and she's helped me out a lot with that. Yeah. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Um, Colleen said, <clears throat> using what you were just talking about, it may take me a year to read a single book. You know what? And Isaac Watts makes this point. And he said, it is better to read one book this way than 25 books, speed reading it and not remembering anything you learned. Yes, take two months and dissect the book. Make an outline. Write what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. Get friends to read the book. Debate the book with them. Question the book with them. Ask them what did they think about it. Spend a month or two months on the same book. Absolutely. Now, here's the value of speed reading it. Why do you speed read it first? Because maybe during the speed reading process, you think this book is junk. This book is junk. Well, if it's junk, you don't want to spend two months. But if it is a good and worthy book, it's yeah. good to spend a month on it or whatever. And yeah, I agree with you. It's better to read five or 10 books in a year than to read 50. 
yeah doing it that way I, you know, I always, I always wonder because I'm definitely not a speed reader. I always wonder, like, how in the world do you speed read? And and, like, you know, I, I you see people almost bragging, like, yeah, I, I read 600 books a year, and it's like, okay, and yeah. What 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 do you like? Could you pass a book report in fourth grade with right. that method? Like I I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, two blah on YouTube says I find I remember and learn visually, and I want to I want to address that. Um, is that true for everyone? An, an, in another word, in other words, I relate a name to someone's face and something. And so for me you know i've got 300 and whatever episodes of on my podcast on this show um 370 some and and i don't listen to podcasts i i i can't like <clears throat> and here's why i've got all these notifications going off i'm running a business i've got you know a lot of other things i use youtube a lot to to research things um, and, and if I'm trying to listen to an audio, I know people that have podcasts playing in the background all the time. They're listening and, and they're recalling things from it while they're working. And like me, I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like that freaks me out. I can't do it. In fact, when I'm riding in a car, I can't have music playing. It makes me crazy. Like <laughs> I, I'm always, I don't know if you can relate to that, but it, I can't take music like people are like, oh, do you listen to the no, I hate listen. And when I'm writing with somebody, which is rare, but if I am and they have music going and we're trying to talk, I I don't know, maybe I maybe I have a problem. No, actually I think you're approaching it a smart way. You know, people who think they're good at multitasking, they should they should do here's here's an exercise for them to do. They should write the numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, all the way up to 30, right? Just every digit or every number, all the way up to 30. And then after they write that out, then they should write out, I am great at multitasking and time themselves. See how long it takes them to write one to 30. And then the sentence, I am great at multitasking. See, they get that time. Then they should do it again. But this time they should write the number one and then I, the number two, am. The number three, great. The number four, at. The number five, multitasking. And then do it again. The six, I, seven, am, eight. Great. And see how long it takes them to write the same information, but multitasking, going back and forth between the two sentences. And I'm probably going to say it's going to be two or three or four times as, amount, as much time. You will 100% get more accomplished if you're just fully focused on the task. If you're like, well, then my brain gets tired and I can't do it. It's much better to be fully focused on something for 20 minutes, take a five minute break, listen to a podcast or listen to music or, or whatever, and then go back to it. But uh, multitasking is almost a myth for the brain. Can people do it? Can people perform still really, 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 really at a high level? Yes, but I would make an argument they could be even further along if they were focused. Uh, there may be the few out there that do better, but I'd say for the general public, I'd say you're on. Now, I think it's okay to listen to music when you drive, though, but that's just. <laughs> well, I mean, I do once in a while. Don't get me wrong, but I, I 
I, you know, if I have um, a, a major project I'm working on or, or, you know, I get really obsessed with, with projects and stuff. So if I'm working on something big, I, 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 I can't, I can't drive and, you know, like people, people say, um, you know, before sales calls, they'll listen to Metallica and I love Metallica, but like, I, I, I can't, like, if I have, have a presentation I'm giving music, Metallica does not help me. I don't think, but anyway, so, um, I do believe that the emotion music creates is, is really cool. So. Tammy says that book clubs have helped her absorb more content from books and implement things that resonate with me. I, I love that. Absolutely love that. And she said she also drives in silence with her thoughts frequently. So I, I'm in good. Tammy needs to be on this show, doesn't she, Ron? Yeah, she does. She's a very smart woman and she's got a lot to offer and give to the world. And, and yeah, we, we need to get her on. So let me let me ask you a question. I ask this question of, of, of every guest, two questions. Number one is what do you think, this is your opinion. What in your opinion do you think holds people back from achieving financial success and real freedom, happiness in life? Well, I think, you know, in my personal experience, it's probably kind of what we talked about limiting beliefs, you know, um, but also maybe a, a fear of taking risks. You know, you're, you're I think it's a combination limiting beliefs. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not you know, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough or rich enough or tall enough or short enough or fat enough or old enough or young enough or whatever. You know, we'll all yeah. think something the limiting beliefs, number one, but also I think we're, as humans, as we get older, especially we're, we can be more risk averse because we're afraid of the consequences if we fail. What is everybody going to think if we fail? Are we, we going to look stupid if we fail? What if we try this and it's not good? What if we fail? Well, really the only, if, unless it kills you, unless the death is the result of the failure, you know, we need, I think the, the fear of failure uh, is, so those are my what holds people back the most. Now, here's the thing, Ken. Here is a memory champion being vulnerable to you. What was the second question? <laughs> yeah. I didn't memorize it, Ken. That's I didn't memorize the books. I didn't have time to memorize the second question. That is funnier than hell. So, um, from financial freedom and and or financial success and and just freedom, happiness and freedom in life, oh, and happiness. you know, yeah. So you kind of answered you answered it on the I point think. of happiness, though. I think I would I would say this: uh, find what is important to you. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, "Comparison is the thief of joy," and I think that a lot of us can make ourselves unhappy. Because maybe we're not achieving the physical level of perfection that our neighbor is, or we're not achieving the financial level of perfection that our neighbor is. And so we're striving to, to that because we're comparing ourselves against them. But I would ask the person to just take a step back and be like, look, there are so many different metrics that I could measure my happiness with. 
I could measure my happiness based upon my relationship with my brother or my sister, or I could measure it based on my relationship with my mom or my dad, or I could measure it based upon my relationship with my, my spouse, or I could measure it based on wealth, or I could measure it based on physical fitness, or I could measure it based on how much I travel, or I could measure it based upon how much I read, or I could measure it based upon my a spiritual, maybe a relationship with God, or I could measure it based upon something else. There are so many metrics you could measure happiness by. Make sure that you're not just caught up in this comparison game and I gotta be as rich as my neighbor. Well, do you really? Is that really, really, really what's important to you? Maybe what's important to you is just having a good relationship with your mom and traveling the world. So I think find out what's important to you and don't fall in the trap of, of you have to measure success by everybody else's definition. Wow. That's awesome, man. <clears throat> Final question. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell a quick story about it, but, um, you know, back in 08, 09, my wife and I, um, decided to open an office and, and, and get employees and, um, and I had, so I had four or five employees and, and things were, we're starting to pick up for us, you know, and, and they were all getting paid my employees. I wasn't, um, getting paid. And one day this guy that worked for me, big dude comes walking in my office. He goes, Hey, uh, boss, there's, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, bro, you're way bigger than I am. Go out and kick his ass or sometime. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Why are you telling me? Right. And, and he's like, well, I would, but but he's got it blocked with his tow truck. And I was like, oh, geez, no, this is not happening. So I go out there, and I don't know if you've ever tried to talk a repo man out of taking your vehicle, oh, wow. uh, but it doesn't work. And, you know, so in front of all of my employees, my car got repoed. And, I mean, I felt like worm crap, man. I felt like the lowest form of feces I could think of. And, and I was like, this is it. My life is over. It's never going to get any worse. What the hell's the point? And, and I, I, I mean, I don't want to say I was suicidal cause I wasn't, but I, I, I really felt like there's no hope for me. It's over. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, but you know, in 2020, we had the pandemic and, and a buddy of mine runs the suicide hotline in Ohio and, and I know he told the, the numbers skyrocketed with that, the calls and, you know, and actual suicides went through the ceiling. I mean, what about the person who's maybe listening to this right now um, or they're, 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 you know, watching live? And uh, what about the person that's barely hanging on right now that they feel like they've tried everything they know how to do and they can't figure it out and figure out how to make their life better. What do you say to them to help them get through to the next over this hump? You know, honestly, Ken, uh, I was thinking about this last night. Okay. I was thinking about this last night, but uh, this is, this is true. As, as I was trying to fall asleep because, um, you know, I, like I said, anxiety is something that's, that's a part of my life. So I was thinking about this and, you know, and, and this is not something that I came up with, but it's something that I heard, you know, 
sometimes that feeling of depression or anxiety or helplessness or suicidal thoughts or or any of that can be a result of us overestimating the danger, overestimating how bad things really are. And then that's the first part of the math equation. And then the second part of the math equation is underestimating our ability to deal with it and handle it. And so I think what helps me in times like that is even though we're at the lowest point that we are, can we go back to any point in our life and say, is there anything comparable to this? And if we're over 40 years old, there probably is. There's probably another. Yeah. And we say, did we survive that? Did we live? Did we live? Yeah, there was. I did. Did I was I able to handle it? Did I just explode under the pressure? <laughs> I might have knocked the lamp. Yeah, I did handle it. I was able to handle it and I did go on and there was happiness on the other side of that. After that, I laughed. There was a time that I had fun and it was this time at the lake with my friends. We were so happy. And you know what? That happened after that moment that I thought my life was over. So I think it's just good to remind ourselves in that moment. We've we've dealt through hard stuff before. We can get through it again and step out of the problem a little bit and, and just search for the the positives and don't overestimate what's going to happen to you if you don't get out of this moment. I love that, man, because it's never as bad as we think it's going to be. It never is. I mean, you know, and the way I look at it is, you know, I, I, you got to just keep pushing forward, taking risks, taking chances. I mean, because I feel like at the end of my life, I don't ever, I don't want to look back and regret that I didn't take a shot at something i i don't i just don't and and i know we're that's the other thing is we're gonna die like it's it's gonna happen every single one of us so you know why not live while we're here you know exactly and you know one point i went to and, and it was at the coliseum once um and and uh i i looked at the the seats that these expensive that these rich people had in the Colosseum in Rome, you know, compared to the, the poor people. And the thought entered my mind, man, these were the, the prestigious people of the day. They had everything. They bought the box seats at the Colosseum in Rome. And you know what? They thought they were important. And, you know, they, we all are important, but they probably felt really, really special. But now, they are just as equally dead as everybody else in here. <laughs> That's true. We are all equals. Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Amen, man. Amen. Listen, I want everybody on here to know about your um, your phenomenal memory course. Um, I, it's gone from audio, which would have served not much of a purpose for me. I used to listen to Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy tapes in my car and like my retention just what wasn't there, man. And so I, I, I had to make copies because I wore the tapes out listening. So I was like, man, I, 
I've listened to this a thousand times. I don't remember hearing that before, you know? So, but now with video, because I'm so visual audio when I'm, when I'm learning with video, it's, it's just taken, taken learning to a whole new level. And you have a video training course. I do. It's called black belt memory. Um, a few years ago, I was sitting around with, with one of my, fr my friend, Brian, whose house I'm at. Every story goes back to Brian. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> He, he told me once, he's like, man, all these good things happen from you knowing me. Most people just go to jail from knowing me. You like, you all, how, did, how did all these good things happen? Uh, but he's uh, hilarious. And it's not, you know, he was exaggerating. It's not true. But, um, we were with a, a judo expert, uh, or not a judo, a jujitsu expert, and, and, a, and a math expert. And Brian had this epiphany. He said, Scott, you are a black belt in math. Paul, you were a black belt in jujitsu. And then he pointed me and he said, Ron, you're a black belt in memory. And Scott, the math expert, turned to me and said, that's the name of your new program, Black Belt Memory. And so that became the name of the course. And it, it, we structured it after the martial arts where you earn belts and you progress up the, the level and, uh, and get a black belt in memory. And it's, so it's a fun way to learn memory. You know, when you were, which I have the course now, and and when when you were explaining it to my my mastermind group, I was like, man, this is going to be a pricey course. I mean, I can't I can't even I don't think you can place a dollar amount on what it would be like to have a black belt in memory because ha having the ability to remember Edna's name, <laughs> I still blows me away. I can remember her name. Um, but having the ability to to remember somebody's name f financially for me being in sales for 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 over 30 years and that's really bad man when you're sitting in somebody's home selling them a new kitchen or windows or whatever which I've done thousands of like and and you're sitting with a husband and wife and then you go blank because you can't remember their freaking names dude it's humiliating and it's a good way to lose a sale. <laughs> like it is, you know, and it, and, it, and it happens to everybody. I just had to ask you, Hey, what was the second question you had, you know? And, and, but you know, there's, we have a rapport and you, know, yeah, yeah. you don't, you don't think I'm a, not interested in, in what you're saying, but that is right. sometimes the message that's conveyed. And as far as the price point goes, you know, this course I have given speeches and the, you know, sometimes in the, in the speaking world, Here's the a secret of the speaking world. When a promoter puts you on the stage, he wants 50% of what you sell. So um, they want you to have sometimes a higher price point. And I, there's one promoter I used to work with, and, and he insisted I sell it for $2,000, which I had to put in some other things to get to that price point. But it's essentially the same course. Uh, now, we had integrity, and we put other things in to, to beef it up. But yeah, we – but – the $194 price point, maybe it just feels comfortable to me. Maybe I have that glass ceiling, but I don't care. I think it's fair. I think it is uh, still, I get to make money. Yeah. And, uh, I could sell it for more, but, uh, you know. And it's impressive that you sell a thousand a day. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I need to go check. Kyle Wilson bought 2000 from me in a day, but we both know he did not pay the retail price. <laughs> right. He paid a little bit above cost. Uh, yeah. It was a great day.
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I think everybody needs to go to blackbeltmemory.com and and get your course. Type in the www just so you don't have any issues, but go to somebody type that in the comments for me if you would. Type in www.blackbeltmemory.com so it's clickable. Um, and, and make sure that you follow Ron, Ron, where's the best place for everybody to follow you on social media? Well, uh, if they're on Facebook, just search your friends list and we're friends on Facebook. Yep. If there are on, uh, if they want just really good content for, for learning and, and memory, uh, I have a YouTube channel and I, so you can search me on YouTube, but I set up the URL ronwhitevideo.com and it'll redirect. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. All right. Well, everybody, make sure you go over and follow Ron. Thank you, Tammy. She typed it in, blackbeltmemory.com. Everybody, follow Ron. Go get his course. It's 194 Yeah, two payments and 97 So it's 97 today, and then it'll be 97 in 30 days. That's, that's well, insane. You know whose idea that was? Huh. Kyle Kyle said, Ron, do this, make it two payments of 97 because some people might not you know, have the full 194. You're going to get it anyways. You'll just get it 30 days later. And that yeah. really increased my sales, two payments of 97. And he that's got awesome. from Dick Johnson. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, go over and, and get this course. It, I, you know, I mean, I, I talk about remembering names, but it's not just about names. It's 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 literally improving your memory overall, like in life. That's just so applicable. Like that's what we operate from. We we operate daily from our memories. So, I, I and I have not dug into it. I just got it the other day. And, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into the course this week. So I, I, and I'm also looking forward to having a black belt in memory. Right. 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 I well, the cool thing, and it is, it is fun and you do get a certificate, like you just got a black belt in karate. So it's fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Take your life to a new level. Go over and get this course. And look, I, I wrote a post the other day about this. Like, you know, it's really not difficult to become successful. It really isn't. All you have to do is show up and actually do the work. And if you do the work and you do it consistently over a long period of time, you've got a pretty good chance. And you are very consistent you are very consistent with your, with your live broadcasts. I mean, you have really made a brand and a name for yourself. You know, sometimes people give up after the first week or so, if, you know, they're not getting the results that they want. And I know I'm victim to that. Sometimes I'll put out a, a, a YouTube video and it didn't get the results on once. I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to wait two months before I do another one. Uh, but you're, <laughs> you really built a good brand for yourself. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, some days I, I wonder why I'm being suppressed by some of these platforms, man. Trust me. I think I'm being shadow banned, but you know, you just got to keep going. There's, there's, you just got to keep going. There's no other way. And, and it's the same with your course. Like get, first step is go get the course. Second step is do the course, do the course, do the work. And it, even if you only, retain five, 10% of what you teach in there, which I don't think would be possible because of the testing mechanisms you have in place. 
um, you're still going to improve your life. So anyway, Ron, you're phenomenal, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate you coming on. And is there anything you'd, any final thoughts you'd like to share with, with, the, with everybody watching or listening? No, uh, or I guess, yes. I, um, I, I just think, uh, you know, our maybe if you could take anything away from this it would be, you know, let's try to push through some of those limiting beliefs. Uh, if I can improve my, and bringing it back to memory, uh, it's, it's a system, it's systematic, it takes work, but anything worthwhile takes work. And I just hope everybody's having a really good day today. And that's all I will say. Awesome. Ron, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's watched. If you shared this out, thank you. If you haven't shared it out, you can redeem yourself and go ahead and share it out. So thank you guys. Appreciate y'all. Have a great day. And I'm going to end the live stream. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you. Hang tight for me. Thanks, Ken. Bye-bye.